Okay, welcome to Finance Friday. Jerry Feta here, uh, founder and CEO of Wealth Dynamics, coming to you live with another Finance Friday. Thank you for joining me tonight. If you've not tuned in before, uh, this is your first time, I want to welcome you. Uh, I've been doing Finance Friday every week now, going on four or five years with some breaks here and there, but the main focus here is financial literacy, right? And so a lot of the stuff, if you're a follower of mine, you see, you know, the knowledge that I have when it comes to wealth and finances, right? And this is stuff that, you know, granted, I did do a lot of work, a lot of study. It is stuff that if somebody didn't take the the time to sit down and teach it to me in the first place, I would not know these things, right? And so this is kind of my way of, of doing that as well uh, with, with those of you that are, are watching uh, to share education, because the reality is finances, it's, it's an area of our life that is extremely important. And because of the level of, of illiteracy, lack of knowledge, right, it gets downplayed. Right. Oh, I'm not good with money. You better be. It's like saying I'm not good with breathing. Right. Or, or you know, money can't buy happiness. Like it buys literally everything we do. You can't feed your kids if you don't have money. Right. So it's not an area that we can downplay and actually succeed financially and, and do well in life, not knowing about this area. Right. And it's not something you can you can outsource to someone else. It's not something we can give up responsibility for. Right. So. You know, if you're tuning in and you've not seen my stuff before, part of my story is I grew up, you know, in a very low income family, right? Mom and dad didn't do well with money. Uh, you know, the summer when I was eight years old, my mom and dad got divorced. Uh, the house got taken away. The car got repoed. We were homeless on my dad's side and my mom's side uh, after they'd gotten divorced. And I knew it was about money. And so I grew up as a kid, probably like you may have, where, you know, it's kind of this area of disdain. It's a topic that's not something you're um, you know, maybe initially that that happy with it was kind of a painful subject for me. <clears throat> and so I, I had the decision that I was not going to focus on it. This was early in life, right? As a teenager, I decided I'm, I'm not going to participate. Right now, every single one of us, we have the same three choices when it comes to finances. Okay, every single one of us, and we make this choice, whether we're aware of it or not, a lot of us are unaware of it, but we can choose poverty, Right, which was what I inadvertently chose when I said I'm not going to participate. I chose poverty. Right. Within within a couple of years of that, I was homeless again. Right. So some people choose poverty. I'm not going to participate. I'm not going to get involved. The problem is money doesn't go away. It still takes money to live. Right. The other thing you can do is you can choose denial. Right. Also known as the middle class. Right. Oh, we're just not going to focus on it. You know, I'm, I'm going to be, quote unquote, bad at money. Right. It's OK. We don't save. We don't invest. You know, we run up the credit cards a bit. But as long as we have fun, right, as long as we enjoy our day to day life and we live completely in the present. Right. We don't think anything about the future because the future is terrifying, because if we think about the future, all of a sudden we need to know this stuff. Right. So because we don't know this stuff, we corner ourselves into the present and we never go anywhere else. And we never create a future. And we never have a future. And ultimately, the present always becomes the past. Right? The third option is wealth. Abundance. Right? And that's what I ended up choosing after going through poverty. See, I grew up seeing the denial, the middle class, the people sweeping life under the rug and pretending like it, it, it's perfect, even though they're struggling. And I saw right through that. That's why I was like, I'm not going to participate. But I didn't realize that participation isn't required. The economy is going to drag you along kicking and screaming whether you decide to participate or not. 
right? So I became a financial advisor and I started learning about money and I started to see that the things that the everyday person is taught about wealth, the retirement plan, the mutual funds, the, the stock market, the banking system, the taxation system, all of these things, they don't help us. And it's not even this, it's an evil thing we need to escape from it and those are the bad guys. Whether it's true or not, it doesn't create abundance and prosperity in all dynamics of your life right now. You see what I mean? So when I'm talking about wealth here, that is my definition of wealth, right? It's abundance and prosperity in all dynamics of life. Okay, and what I want to talk about on this Finance Friday is how do you start to protect that as you build it? I'm going to share my asset protection strategy. Now, it's important for you to know this. I'm not an attorney. I'm not a tax planner, right? I own a financial education firm. Now, when my clients work with me, they work with our attorneys and our tax planners. I'm, ne I'm never the one that's going to give you the tax advice or the, the legal advice, right? That's not my job, okay? But I'm going to share with you, give you kind of a look under the hood of what I'm doing. And, and here's what I use and here's why I use it. And I want to share with, with you how I, how I came across this and who I got it from, right? Because one of the common themes that you're going to see with, with my material is none of it's my stuff. Right, I didn't come up with this. You should be very worried if if you're watching, you know, a a thirty some year old guy saying he came up with all this, and 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 you're like, dude, you haven't lived long enough for that, right? So where did I get what I'm teaching you today? I studied the top one percent of wealth historically, right, for for the last decade, decade and a half of my life, right. And so what I'm sharing with you is the same thing they're using, the same thing they've been using, the same thing they're using today. And here's my philosophy on the whole top 1% thing, guys. If you're watching this, like, you know, you're either one or two parties on this, maybe three parties. Maybe you don't care. You're like, I don't I don't care about Elon and Jeff Bezos or or the Rockefellers or any of that. That's nonsense. It's not up to, it's not my, my thing, right? And that's fine. The other thing could be you think they're evil and bad, right? You think that they're ruling the world and, and, and they're controlling every aspect of your life, Right. And I'm here to tell you that that's not true. You control every aspect of your life. It's not who you vote for. It's not who someone else voted for. It's not who has money. At the end of the day, when you lay your head on your pillow, you did all the actions you accomplished that day. No one else. You thought all your own thoughts. You made all your own decisions. You earned all your income. You spent all your money. You did all your stuff. That was you. We can't blame that on some group of people you don't even know. Right now, here's what I believe, though. I believe when the majority of wealth gets into the wrong hands, right? And the wrong hands being not even necessarily evil people, just people who don't have the intention to help, right? There's two versions of that. There's I'm evil, right? So I'm going to get a bunch of money and then figure out how I can block the sun, right? There's, there's a version of that, right? Or I get all this wealth and money and then I, I just use it for selfish means, I never contribute. I never help. I never make the world a better place with it. And I think evil on this planet exists at a higher level when more money flows towards those two categories. I think hard times happen when the majority of wealth is controlled by people who don't have the intention to help. So my goal and my vision is, is a planet where the majority of wealth is controlled by people who are good, who have the intention to help who want to do something great for others, 
right? They want to improve their own quality of life, the quality of life of their family and the quality of life of the world around them. And that's what this is about. So <clears throat> when I'm talking asset protection, I want to clarify that. What is an asset? An asset is something that you own that is either going to go up in value or it's going to pay you income. That's an asset. Right now, I don't include the primary residence as an asset, but I will teach you tonight how you would protect that with an asset protection plan. Okay, so let me share my whiteboard here. I want to dive into this. <clears throat> so let's say that you have investments, you've got um, some real estate going on. Right, you've got some rental properties. Let's say this one's your primary. That's where you live, right? You've got some rental properties. You're playing a little bit of monopoly there. Maybe you're doing seller finance real estate, like I talk about, <clears throat> and you're doing this in a way where you're building up wealth. You're building a passive income. Okay, so the first question I would have for you is, why are you doing this? Right. And ultimately, like whenever I talk with people, it's a couple of reasons. It's I, I want to improve my own quality of life. Right. I want more time. I want to travel. I want to experience things. I want to live a higher standard of living. Right. I want to improve the quality of life for the people that I love. Right. I want to do things with them. Right. Doing all the traveling and stuff is cool, but it's not as cool if you're alone. If you can't bring friends and family. Right. So I want to have that figured out. I want to plan for that. And then I want to a lot of people call it give back. Right, I want to give back, which I just call it improving the quality of life for the world around me. And the reason I don't call it give back is because that makes it sound like I took something that wasn't mine and I'm giving it back. Right, I don't believe that. I think the way we communicate about money has a lot to do with our thoughts about money. So I don't use the phrase give back. Right, I just use the phrase give. Why, why put it back after it? Just give, right? <clears throat> so we have this going on. We want to build wealth so that we achieve those three things. Quality of life for myself, my loved ones, the world around me, right? And I want to do that from a standpoint of responsibility, right? I teach that you should be knowledgeable about money. You, not someone else, should be responsible for your finances, and you should retain control over your finances. You will never see me tell you to give, give control to someone else. Oh, just let Wall Street have it till you're 60, Oh, just deposit it in the bank and hope that for the first time ever, they do the right thing. Oh, just overpay on your taxes so you get a refund at the end of the year because, hey, you don't have the discipline to save, so why not give it all to Uncle Sam? Right? You'll never see me tell you to do those things. Right? What I'll tell you is I'll say, you need to follow the triangle of wealth. You need to earn active income. You need to save, right? go up to 40%, and you need to invest. Right. And I won't get into what to invest in tonight. We've covered that uh, on a couple previous courses. I want to talk to those that are starting the investing game. Or if you're in it now, you've been doing it a while, you've got some properties, you've got some investing happening. Right. What do we do then? Okay. So I want to share with you my asset protection strategy that I use personally. And again, don't be a dingus. Don't be like, I watched a YouTube video and now I'm going to go do everything this guy says without any help from a professional, right? I can tell you about a root canal I got. doesn't mean you should go do it for yourself, right? If you need help on this stuff after you're learning about it, reach out. Say, I want to get more information. I want more education. I want to work with a professional team, right? Because here's the thing. 
the asset protection plan and the legacy plan and the estate plan, all the stuff I'm going to share with you about it, about tonight. This is this is the one of the top two most important financial structures in your life, in your world. Okay, so back to my whiteboard. You're going to have, and I'm going to divide this into two. You have your own economy. Your own economy, right? On one side of it, you're going to have banking, okay? On the other side of it, you're going to have organization, okay? So you're going to have banking on one side, organization on, on the other side. And, and, and the reason why is any economy, and the root of the word economy, by the way, it means to manage a personal household. So I want you thinking with that definition, any economy has a banking system. A country has a banking system. A business has a banking system. A family should have a banking system. Right now, with an actual economy, you don't see a country using some other country's banking system. Right? You don't see the U.S. being like, oh, let's do what Europe does. No, we're like, we're America. We're the biggest. We're the best. We're the, we've been around the shortest. Look how much we've accomplished. We have our own banking system. Right? We created the banking system. So your economy, you should have a banking system, right? And so with the banking system, what I use is called the sacred account. Right now, this is the first layer of asset protection for those of you, if you're, if you're just starting this, this is where you should be saving your money, right? And the reason why is this is the safest, most protected place you could put money, right? So number one, it's protected from loss. Okay, number two, it's protected from taxation. Right, number three, it's protected from fees. Right, you don't have a bunch of fees like you have with Wall Street. Right, number four, it's protected from death. If you die, you get a death benefit. This is actually a form of life insurance. Right, number five, it's protected from opportunity costs. Right, when you spend money or borrow against it, it still grows like it never left. Number six, it's protected from lawsuits. Number seven, it's prote protected from creditors, right? These are seven of the main protections you're going to see with your sacred account, right? So I deposit my money in here. It's my banking system, right? And I would also say like within this big one, you're protected from fraud, right? You're working with some of the largest, most established life insurance companies out there. Some of the most highly regulated institutions they're keeping it clean, right? You can't say that about banks. You can't say that about Wall Street. Look at how many, and this is this, I'll go ahead and give you the, the term here, right? If you Google high early cash value, dividends paying whole life insurance, right? If you Google that, you could also just Google sacred account, right? The sacred account. Um, that's, that's why I call it the sacred account, by the way, is I don't want to say high early cash value, dividend paying whole life insurance every time I want to talk about it. Right. But this is where I would be saving my money in my asset protection strategy. Right. There's not a more safe place I can put my dollars. Okay. So this is the first layer. Now, as you start to build this, you've got your banking system happening. You can open many of these, right? I've got several of these open now and I'm continuing to open them. Right now, the next part you're going to have is you're going to have financial organization. Okay, so at the very top of this, 
you are going to have your family trust. Okay, your family trust. Now, there's a lot of confusion about what a family trust is. There's a couple functions of a family trust. So a trust is a private document, right? It's kind of similar like if you were setting up a business, like an entity, right? Except for a trust, you're doing it privately. It's not a government-regulated uh, government entity. It's not going to get reported on a public level. It's typically very private, right? So that trust is going to do a couple of things. That trust is going to put the possession of your assets under the trust so that you own nothing but control everything, right? Super important. That's one aspect of it, protection, okay? Another aspect of it is trusts avoid probate. So if you didn't know this, when you die, if you have a will or you don't have a will, it doesn't matter. Your assets are going to go through what's called probate. Probate is basically like a court process where they look at what do you have they account for all of it, right? They make sure it goes to the right people. If you have a will, they put it to whoever was in the will. If you don't, the state decides who gets it. But here's the problem with probate. It's up to 15% of the value of your, your assets on average, right? 15% in probate costs. Meaning if you have a, a $10 million estate, your kids, your grandkids, your, your, your heirs, your beneficiaries, they would pay on average up to $1.5 million in fees to settle your estate in probate. So having a trust avoids that. Okay, the other thing is probate on average takes at least 18 months. It's about an 18-month process. <clears throat> During those 18 months, your assets are frozen. Nobody's using them. It's not, it's not something that can be touched, accessed. Your kids can't have it. Like It's, it's off limits till probate's done. Right, it's very time consuming, it's very expensive. The third thing that happens, all of it becomes public information. Right? All of your assets, everything becomes public information. Right? So your privacy is gone. Your anonymity is gone. 15% of what you built is gone. 18 months of time have passed, right? And and I'm not even talking about the 18 months of like Oh, your family can't have the money you've built up because I don't necessarily agree with that, right? I don't, I, I don't want to talk about that before I wrap up today. I don't think the point of your estate is to, you know, have your kid hit the lottery all of a sudden. I think that's actually how you ruin someone's life, right? But what I'm talking about here is 18 months, that, that could be 18 months of growth. 18 months of, of that, that asset you built for your loved ones and your, your legacy growing bigger and it's not because it's locked away in probate right now. The most expensive thing that's happening is that 18 month wait. Cause if you're making a 15% return per year and you're tied up for a year and a half, right? That's 20 something percent growth. You just lost out on plus the 15 you paid, right? So you have this family trust set up right now. You want to do this obviously through an attorney, um, and there are specific states you'd set these up in. Mine is in Nevada, right? That's a special for asset protection, right? But you have your family trust, right? Now, the part of this that is focused on legacy, right? And I want to talk about this on this Finance Friday. We'll talk about the asset protection a little more in depth on another one, right? This is your family policy. When I say policy, I don't mean like insurance policy. I mean like the rules, Right? What are the rules of your family's wealth? Right, you're, you're creating a legacy 
they're intended to be stewards of that legacy. Right? And if you don't do this correctly, what you believe is a legacy will quickly become a liability. Okay, you just go research. How many NFL players go broke immediately after, after they retire from the NFL because they got a bunch of money and they didn't learn what to do with it? How many people who win the lottery are in poverty just three or four years later because they get a bunch of money and they don't know what to do with it? How many times have you heard people say money changes people? Money ruins people, right? So if all this stuff is happening, why would you be like, yeah, I want to give my child $2 million when I die? No, it's like giving a gun to a baby. You don't want to do that. So here's what you want to do. You want to create family policy. Your trust is the policy. This is the rules. Here's, here's how we use this money. By the way, I'm going to have what's called a trustee, right? A trustee is like my CEO, my trustee. Now, I've heard people be like, oh, I made my sister my trustee because it was free. Is your sister a good wealth manager? Is she a CEO? If not, probably don't do that, right? You want to be thinking about your wealth as a family business and as a generational family business because that's what the Rockefellers have done. That's what the, the wealthiest families in the world in history have done. You have your trustee. That's like the CEO, right? They're managing all of this. You have family policy, right? The standard operating procedures, right? That's what this is, standard operating procedures, Okay, now here's why I'm so big on, on education. You got to know this stuff to write a standard operating procedure. If you've not done it and you're like, I just had a financial advisor do all this for me my entire life. I've never done it. I don't actually know, right? You can't then have family policy. Your assets are going to be gone immediately because they're going to go to your kids and your grandkids who are then going to spend it, draw down on it and waste it. And it's going to be gone. All your hard work gone. Right. So you have like this and this is more a character thing. If you're a parent, you have the responsibility of raising a good person who's going to use wealth to make the world a better place. That's your job. In addition to building the wealth, you raise them that way. Right. Then they have kids. Right. Your job then as a grandparent is to raise grandkids or co-raise grandkids or teach your kids to raise grandkids. However, you're going to do it to be good people who use their wealth to make the world a better place. If you live long enough where they pop out some more of those suckers and you see them and you're like, okay, cool, I'm going to start working on that with this group now. You've now got two or three groups that you've mentored in how to make the world a better place using wealth. Imagine if five or 10% of the population did that. And it was in their trust document. Meaning this is what we use this for. Right now you may be thinking, okay, but yeah, but Jerry, when, when do they get to have it? So here's what I would do. I would employ the good old matching system. For every $1 you invest, I will match it. The trust will match $1 into that investment. Right? I'm not going to just give money. There's, there's other ones I've seen where it's for every dollar you earn, you'll be able to get a dollar from the trust. Right? So it depends on what you're trying to incentivize. I would try and incentivize investing. Right. I would try and incentivize investing or giving for every one dollar you give of your own income. I will give you a dollar or two dollars from the trust, whatever, whatever structure you want to put there. But I would refrain from 
they're my relative, that's my child, that's my business partner, that's my whatever. So I'm just going to give them all of the assets there. Because you're unmocking the structure. Right? So when you think about legacy, legacy at the root of this word, it actually is, is it's, um, and, I, and I have, I don't have the, the clear origin, but I remember looking this up several years back. It's the equivalent of having like an army, like a group, an army marching under your command. That's what legacy is at its root, at the origin. Your family legacy is that, right? And and here's where I want to end off on this because we hear this, this cliche all the time. And it's one of the dumbest things. It drives me nuts when people say this. Oh, you can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. You, you, can, you, can, you can do all this stuff. You can't take it with you. No, duh, you're dead, right? No one said you could take it with you, but you know what factually will happen? You will leave it behind. Or you won't. If you don't have anything, you won't leave anything behind, right? But whatever you do or don't have, that is what you're leaving behind. So the viewpoint on legacy needs to change. It's not about what you can or can't take with you. It's about what you will or won't leave behind. And who's going to experience that? And are you taking responsibility for that? Right. And if I'm leaving a financial liability behind because I, I'm broke and I'm paycheck to paycheck and I don't pay myself first and I'm financially illiterate and I don't take responsibility for my finances. Right. I'm going to leave a liability behind. I'm going to leave a legacy of illiteracy. I'm going to leave a legacy of financial brokenness that my kids and my grandkids and, and the ripple effect of everyone in their lives is going to experience. Never forget, Gandhi said poverty is the worst form of violence. Do not leave your loved ones in poverty. Mentally, spiritually, financially, like this is the legacy. Right now, if you feel you've built a legacy, you're building one, make sure it actually is one. Okay, in the trust, you should have outlined that they need to do financial training. That they need to come see, you know, if you're a client of mine, they need to come see wealth dynamics. They need to read the blueprints of financial freedom. They need to do the big three challenge. They need to go through the university. They need to work with our team. They need to get a sacred account. Right, the Rockefeller family, guys, in their trust, there's a rule that if you're going to take money out of the trust, you must have a sacred account. Right, for, for all those out there, by the way, that are like, the life insurance thing is a scam. That's exactly why John Rockefeller made every single person in his family take a policy out in order to be a beneficiary of his trust, because it's a scam. It makes a lot of sense. The richest guy in world history, right? So, so you need to think ahead. And so the legacy is about planning for the future. To plan for the future, you have to leave the present and you can't live in the past. Right? And, and, and this legacy thing, it's not about the past. It is about the future. You need to think with what effect am I trying to create? That's what the future means. What effect am I trying to create? Not what effect did I create? Not what effect am I creating? No, no, no. With intention, when I fast forward... What effect do I want to have happen? And then I plan and I, I build the wealth. And I put the trust together. Right. And, 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 and next time I want to get into asset protection with you. Right. How do you build the structures to then protect the assets? We did a little bit of it tonight, but there's a lot more. Right. So, guys, that's all I got for you this evening. Thank you for tuning in. If you're watching this, by the way, and, and you're not yet a, a client of mine, I want to give you a free copy of my book, Blueprints Financial Freedom. Right. I wrote this book because as a financial advisor, 
right? I went through all the state and federal tests and I learned about the investments and I realized there's a lot of stuff the wealthy are doing that even the financial advisory world doesn't know about, right? I didn't know about. And as I started diving into it, guys, I said I did 10 or 15 years of study and research to learn how the top 1% do what they do. That's not workable for most people to do a decade to a decade and a half of research just to figure out what to do. Imagine if cooking dinner worked that way. You would die. It's like it's 10 years to figure out how to make hamburger helper. No, somebody had to make a recipe so you could easily figure it out. The first caveman, he died. He didn't make the hamburger helper. Then someone figured it out. They put it together. They put it on the back of the box. So that's what the blueprint of financial freedom is. Here's what you should do. Here's the sequence you should do it. And here's why. Here's where it came from. And it's like the dominoes. When you were little, you lined them up from the last one to the first one so that when you knocked over the first one, they all fell in sequence the exact way you wanted it to, right? So if you're watching this, I want to give you a free copy. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to post this on the, the screen share for you. If you go to jerryfeta.com forward slash B2F promo, right? You can get a free copy of the book right? You cover your own shipping. That's my deal. We'll send it out to you, right? And and with that too, if you get the free copy, you ship it out. It'll take a couple of days to ship. We'll give you the ebook while you wait as well, right? The goal here, I don't make money on these. I think you pay us like eight bucks or 10 bucks or whatever it is for shipping. It's very inexpensive, right? I think we lose money on the books actually. Um, but the goal is financial education, the more of my books that are out there in your hands, in the friend, hands of your friends, your family, your loved ones, right? The better progress you're going to make. The better progress the world's going to make, right? So grab the book. Thank you for watching. Uh, I really appreciate it. I will see you next time on Finance Friday.